You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Paul Kern. Well, welcome to our series on understanding prayer, and we are going to be in part two tonight. So if you missed part one, I want to encourage you, you can go in our church app, you can go on iTunes, you can go on Google Play, or a myriad of other places to to listen, but I, I want to encourage you to go and listen if you didn't get to hear part one because I really laid a groundwork. And I do want to do a little bit of review tonight uh, with you uh, briefly just because the foundation that I laid last time that I spoke was so critical. I don't want us to miss this part. So let's just take a minute and spend a little bit of time tonight on kind of more of the relational side of prayer. Of course, there's a lot of things that you can talk about when you talk about prayer. But I want to talk a little bit about the relational side of prayer, and then we'll talk a little bit about the key thing that I want to point out to you tonight. So the first hindrance that we have to overcome is being suspicious of God's good intentions toward us. And it's just within human nature to be suspicious of God. It happened at the very beginning of time with Adam and Eve. Believing that God is absolutely good, it's vital to you and I having a prayer life that is rich and it's sustainable, okay? It has to be sustainable in our lives. And like I said, God's goodness, His absolute goodness is something that we have to get nailed down in our hearts. So I said in part one of our series, it's extremely difficult to stay empowered if we don't settle in our hearts God's good intentions toward us. If, if we understand God's deep love for us, and it's just incredibly deep. The Apostle Paul said, who can even comprehend the love of God? The, the, the breadth, the width, the depth, the height, it's just incomprehensible, God's love for us. But if we understand God's deep love for us, when God speaks to us, we're not going to question his purpose or his good intentions toward us. And I think sometimes when we're in the middle of a battle and the storm is raging, it's easy for us to lose sight of that fact. When life is hard, when we have a loss, when we're dealing with something physically in our life, maybe an illness or someone that we love, or maybe we're battling uh, relational issues or whatever it may be, it's very easy to get focused on the problem and lose sight of the goodness of God. And I think how we see God defines how we think and live. If we don't think right about God, then we won't live right. We won't approach God right. We'll have a very difficult time connecting with God on a relational level. Level. So the way that we understand God is going to affect how we connect with him and ultimately how we represent him to others. And we are representatives of Jesus. So if our understanding of the goodness of God is skewed, then it's going to be very difficult for us to represent God correctly to someone else. So prayer is a journey. Amen. And getting to know God intimately is a journey. It's not, a, it's not a, a destination that you arrive at. The journey is the destination. It's a lifelong pursuit of growing deeper and deeper with the Lord in our relationship with Him. And, and while I'm thankful for the times that I've seen instant answers 
to my prayers, and I have, and, and I'm grateful for those. But, but I'm also grateful for the delays. And, you know, that's kind of hard. Okay, wait a minute. You know, that's, that's kind of like that scripture, consider it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. You guys are familiar with James chapter 1. I, I, I'm thankful for that because, like I said in part 1, God is a builder. He's a builder. And sometimes he builds our understanding through breakthroughs and answers that happen quickly. And I love it when that happens. It's awesome. But other times God's building our understanding of his faithfulness through the long haul where we just have to press in and pray for, for days and weeks and months and sometimes even years. There's been things in my life, for example, my father, many of you know my testimony. I grew up in a broken home, very dysfunctional family. Everybody in my family was on drugs. My father was an alcoholic himself. And when I got saved at the age of 23, uh, God began a restoration with me and my father. Um, and um, I began to pray. And my mom had been praying for many years because she was a believer. And I began to pray. And, and I prayed for seven years. And then my dad came to know Christ. And so it took a long time. And, and sometimes there's delays when we pray. They don't happen immediately. But see, God's faithfulness becomes evident through the stability in us that doesn't waver when we pray and our answers don't come the moment that we pray. Because what we really believe about God becomes evident in trial. Amen? See, what you really believe becomes evident in trial. If you really believe that God is good, and see, sometimes going through these delays refine that attitude in us. It, it begins to purge through the fire of trial. The Bible talks about the fuller soap and the refiner's fire that purifies us. And the fact is, you know, really, if you think about it, problems are such a negative thing to us, but really, without problems, we wouldn't grow. If life was just easy all the time, there would be no depth to us. There would be no resilience, no strength to us. As a matter of fact, it's, it's the, really the problems in life. They're really the only source of, of spiritual growth that we have. And so I encourage you to view problems like the Bible exhorts us to. Consider it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. Well, the only way that you consider it joy is you know what that's going to produce in you. Because it says, consider it all joy when you trace, face trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And we could all use a little of that in prayer. And allow patience to have its good work in you, that it might complete you and mature you in every area. So it's so important that we understand God's good intention toward us. You know, if you had asked me years ago when I was much younger maybe even before I knew God, especially, uh, and, and, and in the early part of my relationship with the Lord. If, you, if you'd asked me years ago um, what God was like, I, I might have answered that God was pretty upset. Pretty upset God. Uh, you know, I, I imagine God looking down over the world and everyone down here messing everything up, and God was probably a really frustrated God that was pretty irritated with all of us irresponsible human beings that live down here and all the bad choices that we were making. It, it, and at best, I was sure that God was grieved with the mess that we had made 
of everything that he had created and, and, and the choices that, that people were making. And, and so, you know, the only way I felt that I could get God's attention was to do something really good. You know, if I could just stay off drugs for a while or if I could just stay away from alcohol for a while or if I could just not steal for a little while or if I could just be good for a little while or, you know, if I just not upset somebody for a little while, then God would be pleased for me and then maybe God might hear me. And, and you know, I've met lots of people with that conception of God. You know, being in the ministry for 25 plus years, I've seen a lot of people come and go throughout our church. and I've been able to talk with people from all ages, from the youngest to the oldest. And I've met a lot of people with that, with that misconception about God. We're, we're often so busy, busy wondering what God wants or needs from us, but we don't spend nearly as much time contemplating God's feelings or his thoughts toward us. And I think it's important that we just look at the word and reflect on what the Bible says God's thoughts and feelings toward us are. The thought that God not only liked me, but God enjoyed me. I never thought that. I just thought God was mad all the time because I was such a mess up. And, you know, and I think it's really easy to fall under the condemnation of the enemy. Amen? Because the devil, all he does is point out all of our shortcomings and all of our mistakes. But you have to understand, when you don't have an understanding of the absolute goodness of God, and you don't have an understanding of God's good intentions toward you, you'll think everybody sees the bad in you. You think everybody's pointing out the bad in you. You think everybody's just keeping you under condemnation. But see, God wasn't angry. He wasn't distant. God wasn't frustrated. God wasn't sad. God was a cheerful, happy God. And God didn't just love me. God delighted in me. And I have to tell you, church, when I got a hold of that understanding, when that became a revelation for me, and I, 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 I can't really explain exactly how or when that happened, but it was like I had an epiphany, and a light went off in my heart and in my mind, and I began to wake up every day knowing that God loves me and he delights in me. He's not angry with me or upset with me or frustrated with me or mad with me. That changed my whole prayer life. Because now I wake up every day and I'm just smiling. I'm like, God, I can't wait to spend the day with you. And that's an awesome feeling. And that's my prayer for you tonight as, as I'm sharing with you in this series on prayers that you begin to understand that God delights in you. God loves you. God wants to be around you. God wants to spend time with you. This understanding will change your prayer life. This will empower you to spend time with God in prayer. I want to encourage you. If every time that you pray, all you hear is condemning voices, you know, how you don't measure up, how you're not making the mark, how you've missed it in this area and that area, if that's all you ever hear, then I, I want to tell you something tonight. It's important that you hear this. Are y'all listening? Are you ready? That's not God. It's not God. And so the enemy is really good about disguising himself. He'll even disguise himself in our own voice to deceive us, to condemn us, and to accuse us. 
But see, Jesus took all of our accusations, all of our condemnation, all of the judgment that we deserve. He bore it on his body on the cross, amen, and he paid the price. And you and I tonight, because of Jesus, we have this access to the Father that we've never had before, and we have fellowship with God. So this, this is the relational side tonight that I want you to see and I want you to understand and I want you to get under your belt. And Because if not, you'll never be able to develop an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus, he wants, he wants you to develop a relationship with him. And the Father wants you to develop a relationship with him. And the Holy Spirit every day wants you to develop a relationship with him. And so you're just a part of this beautiful community called the Trinity. And that love that flows within that triune being right there is just amazing and incredible. And God wants to share it with us. That's why he made us. God just said, you know what? The love that I have in the Trinity is just too amazing for me to keep to myself. I've got to share it. You know what I'm talking about? And, you know, if you taste something really good, you've got to taste this, right? If you drink like a latte that's really good, you got to try this. It's the best thing ever. Because you want to share what's good. And God just couldn't keep that to himself. He said, my love is just so awesome. What I have here is so amazing. I want to share it with my creation. Amen? Now I want to get into the part that I want to really focus on tonight. It's called co-laboring with God. Co-laboring with God. We're called to co-labor or partner with God. And one of the ways that we do this is through prayer. Now, I've met people that had been born again for a very long time, and they were never taught this truth. And because of this, because of what I'm going to share with you tonight, they spent many years praying amiss, or their prayer life was just sterile. It didn't really produce anything. They would, they would seldom pray. And when they did pray, they were more like beggars. You know, God didn't create us to be beggars in his kingdom. You know, I have children. They don't come, they don't come to me and say, you know, and I have interns and different people. They don't they come to my house and I mean, have what you want. The cabinet's in there. I don't care. It's yours. Don't beg me. Just go to it. Get it. Grab, grab the milk, grab the cookies, you know, grab the chips, grab whatever, grab the broccoli, <laughs> grab the cauliflower, grab the, y'all know what I'm saying? Y'all are like, we know what you have at your house. I don't actually have any of that stuff at my house. I'm just dreaming that I did. <laughs> Jesus would pray and his disciples just marveled. They would watch Jesus pray, and, and they knew Jesus and his prayers were very different from the prayers that the religious leaders of his day would pray. Because they, they saw Jesus, when Jesus prayed, you know, Jesus would gaze up into heaven, and he would pray. And his disciples recognized that Jesus was making a connection with another world that they weren't making a connection with. And that's why they said to Jesus, they said, Jesus... Master, teach us to pray like you pray. Teach us how to connect with the Father like you connect with the Father. And so Jesus gave them a model prayer. 
Now, if you go to Matthew chapter 6, you can read about the Lord's Prayer. A lot of you have grown up maybe in church and you said the Lord's Prayer, or you've heard of the Lord's Prayer, you've read it in Scripture many, many times. And I don't have time to teach on the model uh, of the Lord's Prayer. I mean, there's some really good stuff out there. If you just type in the model of the Lord's Prayer or the Lord's Prayer, you can pull that up, and it's a, it's a great study, and I encourage you to do that. But, but Jesus gave us this model prayer, and basically, our prayers ought to contain all the facets of that prayer. But, but that prayer was never meant to be something that you memorized and you just repeated. That was not the point of the prayer. You know, and I, I did that when I was uh, growing up in church. We, just, we did it every single Sunday. We would say the Apostles' Creed, and we would say the Lord's Prayer, and we would you know, take communion, and we would sing a couple of hymns, and, and I would fall asleep. And it was awesome. Right in my grandfather's lap in his arms until he nudged me and said, wake up, here's 50 cents, put it in the offering plate. And then when they passed it, and then I went back to sleep. <laughs> so, so Jesus prayed this, and here's one of the things that Jesus said, and this is going to tie in with what I want to talk about in the next few minutes together. He says, Father, I pray that the influence and the dominion of heaven comes to planet Earth. As a matter of fact, in the, in the Passion Translation, it says, Manifest your kingdom realm, cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth, just as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus prayed. So I want you to notice there's a, there's a co-laboring relationship there, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, Jesus is partnering with God. There's a co-laboring that's taking place. But this position of co-laboring wasn't just relegated to Jesus, the Son of God. This goes all the way back to the beginning of creation. As a matter of fact, go with me to Genesis chapter 1, if you want to turn in your Bible or in your, in your app, whatever you want to pull up. Go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, and this is really the heart of what I want to talk about. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, let me just start out by saying where it says, Let us, us make man according to our image and according to our likeness. That is not the angels. That is the Trinity. That's the community of God. Okay? Then it says, Let them rule and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth... And over everything creeping that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the earth. Now I want to go back to the very beginning of that. God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And it says, Let them rule. Let them rule. It did not say let us rule. It's not talking about the Trinity. Okay? He says let them rule and them is us. Amen? These words are important because they reveal the impact and the influence that man is to have on the earth. So I want to develop this. 
with that statement, let them rule, God defined the boundaries of his rights legally to influence the earth. And, I, and I'm going to back this up with Scripture because that's kind of hard for people. Wait a minute. Okay, wait. God's got boundaries of what he can do on planet earth? Absolutely. He does. He does. And see, this will begin to shape how you think about prayer because it just changes everything. Notice God said, let them rule and have dominion over the earth, not let us rule and have dominion over the earth. In other words, he wasn't talking about the Trinity ruling. He was talking about mankind ruling. So with this statement, we see certain laws or certain principles that are established. So if you're taking notes, you can write these down. Number one, number one legal authority to have dominion on the earth was given to mankind only. Legal authority to have dominion on the earth was given to mankind only. It wasn't given to God. Wow. Number two, God did not include himself in that legal authority structure. He was not included in that. And number three, man is the legal steward of the earth. And any influence from the realm of heaven is going, to be, is going to happen through mankind. That's the only way it's going to happen. So God subjected himself to his own laws. You know, God's not like the highway patrol. He's got to do what, you know, what his laws are. I always like seeing the highway patrol go by me real fast. And I think, man, I wish I had one of those cars so I could do that too. That'd be fun. So God subjected himself to his own laws. Whenever God speaks, God willfully obligates himself to what he says. And here's why. And we all understand this. This is not hard to understand. You are no better than your word. Right? Some of y'all had your parents tell you that when you were growing up. You always keep your word. You never go back on your word because your name is no better than your word. So if you give your word... You keep your word. Because when you give your word and you don't keep your word, then your name is not great. See, what makes God's name so great? Jesus' name is the name that is above every name. It is the greatest name. Why is the name of Jesus the greatest name? Because Jesus always keeps his word. Isn't that good? See, God is obligated to what he says. So God literally subjected himself to his own laws. So whenever God speaks, he's got to do it. He's obligated to it. So basically, a law of God is a law to God. Any law that God makes on earth, God abides by. This principle is critical. It's critical if you're going to understand the purpose and the power of prayer in your own personal life. So if I were to give prayer a definition tonight, and I'm not talking about in a relational sense, I'm talking about in, a, in, a mo- in moving heaven, okay, on earth sense, bringing heaven to earth like Jesus prayed. If I were to give that a definition, here would be the definition of prayer. Man giving God legal right and permission to interfere in earth's affairs. Man giving God, now I know that's kind of like, wait a minute. God's in charge. God is in charge. 100% God is in charge. 
But God delegated, delegated that charge or that authority to us. It would be like me leaving and me telling my son, you're in charge. Take care of the house. When I come back, I'll take up my rule and reign again. Well, guess what? Jesus hasn't come back. While he was here, he was in charge. Amen. But when he left, he sent a helper. He sent power. He sent a teacher. He sent somebody to fill us so that we could model what Jesus modeled. Are we seeing this? This is what it's all about. Another definition of prayer. I'll say the first one again. Man giving God legal right and permission to interfere in earth's affairs. And then number two, prayer is man exercising his legal authority to invoke heaven's influence on earth. So let me back up what I'm saying, because I, I always think it's important to be scriptural, okay? So let's go to Matthew together, Matthew chapter 16. A little bit of a Bible study tonight. Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to look at verse 19 and 20. So let's read this together. And I will give who? You, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever who you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever, help me, you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loosed. Look at that authority. It would be just like Jesus standing right there and him doing it himself. That's the kind of authority that we were given. That was the, the legal transfer of that authority. All right, let's look at another one. Matthew chapter 18. Just flip over a couple of pages. If that wasn't enough, he tells us again. And that's probably good because sometimes we need to be told more than once. Amen. Matthew 18, 18. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. Now, if you want to look this scripture up, you can look this up. John chapter 16, and, and I'm going to I'm going to show you something that Jesus was telling his disciples before he left. He was trying to teach them something that they were going to be doing after he left. And that's the position that we're in now, right? He's gone. He, he hasn't come back. We're waiting for his return. But until then, Jesus shares this truth with them. So if you go to John chapter 16, verse 23, and I, I think I'm reading out of the, the living, I mean, the Passion Translation on this particular one. I, I usually go back and forth between the New Living Translation and the Passion Translation. For those of you who, we have quite a few people that are following along in their Bible and, and taking notes, so I want to make sure I clarify. For here is an eternal truth. Now listen to this. When that time comes, you won't need to ask me for anything. But instead, you will go directly to the Father and ask him for anything that you desire, and he will give it to you because of your relationship with me. 
Until now, you have not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name. But now you can ask and keep asking him. And you can be sure that you will receive what you ask for and your joy will have no limits. See, used to they would go to Jesus and ask Jesus... And Jesus said, listen, guys, there's a time coming. I'm going to leave you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And guess what? You're not going to ask me anymore. See, you understand, church, when, when I pray, I don't pray to Jesus. I don't really even have a lot of conversation with Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm not dissing Jesus. I love Jesus. <laughs> I mean, Jesus is incredible. I love him with all my heart. But, but what Jesus did is Jesus died on the cross and he made it possible for me to have, to have access to the Father. See, that's why Jesus said, he says, I am the door. No one comes to the Father except what? Through me. So I don't know about you, I've never stood and had a long conversation with the door. Right? The door gives me access to whom I'm trying to access. So Jesus said, I've made a way now for you to have the same kind of relationship with the Father that I've had. And a matter of fact, Jesus went on, and this is just a little, this is extra. It's kind of like the Jinsu knife set. I'm just throwing this in. It didn't have anything to do with what I'm talking about. But Jesus, Jesus prayed this prayer. He said, Father, I pray that you reveal to your children that you love them, get this, as much as you love me. Talking mind blown right there. Amazing. So you see, these scriptures reveal the authority and the legal dominion that we have been given as God's representatives on planet Earth. So we understand that prayer is communing with God in intimate relationship, but it also determines what happens on the planet. It also determines that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make a really bold statement. God has never done anything on planet Earth outside of the cooperation of a person other than creation. God's never done anything on planet Earth without the cooperation of a human being. Think about it, for example. Let's just think about it. To rescue humanity from a worldwide flood, Noah. The creation of a nation, Abraham. To lead that nation, Moses. For the salvation of mankind, God embodied manhood himself in the person of Jesus Christ because he needed to be a man if he was going to do anything on this planet. Are you seeing that? See, God rules in planet heaven, but we rule on planet earth. That's the way it works. And this is why we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we have to earnestly pray every day because we are God's legal authority on this planet. Heaven needs you and me to give it license to interfere in earth's affairs. And that's why I say, if we want, heaven can't. How many of y'all have ever said, God, why did you let that happen? Right? You know what God says? Why'd you let that happen? Why'd you let that happen? You know, Habakkuk, if you ever read the book of Habakkuk, it's really awesome because Habakkuk, you know, it's all gloom and doom and, 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 and things aren't going well for God's people at all. 
and Habakkuk is having this argument with God. He's like, you know, God, you know, why are all these wars and why is all this bad stuff happening and why are all, why is all this fighting going on and why is all this stuff taking place? You know, why why did you let this happen? And God said, I didn't start the wars. You did. I'm not the one fighting. You are. See, God kind of brings it back to us. And, and, you know, that changes how you pray. Amen? God, please. I'm, God, I'm just begging you. God, I'm just begging you. Please, God, please. God, please. Or, God, I thank you for the authority that you've given me in the name of Jesus. And right now, I declare your word over this situation. I rebuke the enemy. I take authority. And I loose the anointing of your power. That's a different kind of prayer right there. That's a different kind of prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how is it in heaven? It's pretty darn good. How would we like to have a little bit of that government and that influence here? Absolutely. How's it going to come? We're going to have to give heaven permission to interfere with what's going on on this planet. So when we pray, we, we pray earnestly. We pray with authority. And you can pray with authority when you, know, when you know Jesus has commissioned you. And you can pray with confidence when you know that Jesus died for you and he loves you. God, God delights in us. So every day I'm excited. You know, uh, last week uh, our associate pastor David Pate was out here and he was talking about how much I, I pray. And I do because I love it. It's great. I talk to God all day long. I mean, I'm always talking to God all day long. God, you're awesome. God, you're wonderful. And I'll throw this prayer up and that prayer up. And I'll take authority over this. And I'll see somebody that needs prayer. Or I'll get off the phone. God, I'll pray for that person. God, right now, I just lose your love on that person. God, I thank you that they're set free. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, boy, move in their marriage. God, help them right now in Jesus' name. I'm just constantly praying because I understand an authority that I've been given. Can I have an Amen. So I, I want to wrap up our time here. We've got just a couple of minutes left. And I want to wrap up our time with something practical and applicable that we can all take with us tonight. We all have very busy lives. It's so easy to get distracted. We've all got so much going on. Our daily routines can just tend to take over everything that we do. And we all want our prayers to make a difference. We all want to be effective in prayer. So I just want to give you just four practical things as I close tonight. I'm going to go real quick. Number one, set a specific time when you pray. Now, if you're a morning person, I suggest you do it in the morning. If you're an evening person, I suggest you do it in the evening. You know, if you're an evening person and you try to set prayer in the morning, (laughs) that might not work out well. So set a specific time each week that you pray. That helps you be more consistent. Number two, set a specific place that you pray. It's always good to make a place that you can go and spend time in prayer. I remember my mom when I was growing up, she had a closet and had those louvered doors on it with the little fins, you know, where you could see through. And there was always a little light on. I would come, remember coming home from school at about 3.30 in the afternoon. And oftentimes I would see those closet doors closed and I would see a light on in that closet. And I would see the silhouette of my mom on the floor praying. So you want to have a place. That's where she prayed. She prayed in her closet. And it doesn't matter. It can be by a stream. It can be in your car. It can be at your office. It can be in your room, a certain room in your house. But but you need to set a specific place. Number three, remove distractions that can hinder your prayer. 
And Josh mentioned this Sunday, if you were here, if you didn't hear our youth pastor, Josh Barnett, preach uh, this past Sunday on dysfunctional disciples, man, you need to go back and listen to that. It was incredible teaching that he did. But one of the things that he talked about that's really a distraction for all of us is our phones. And man, I just really encourage you to take that thing and set it outside somewhere out of the way and get it out of your prayer closet or wherever it is that you're going to pray. But you've got to remove distractions. And that's one of the good things about praying in the same place all the time because you get used to what's on the walls and what's in the room and what's there. And it's just not a distraction. When I pray in a new place, sometimes I'm like, wow, what's that? I never saw that before. You know what I mean? And so it's just good to be in, in a particular place. And number four, the last one, work at becoming consistent in it. Work at becoming consistent in it. Now, here's one way that you will definitely fail. If you're not really used to praying very much and you say, man, I'm praying for one hour today, you're in trouble. Because you're going to get in there and it's going to be like, or is the cameraman tracking with me? Yeah, okay. It's going to be like, Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for my friends and my family. Thank you for your blessings. Oh, grandmother and grandfather. Um, my dog. Yes, my dog. Yes. Um, whoo, man, it's a lot harder than I thought. 30 seconds. Wow. Where is the time gone, right? So, you know, you might want to start out with five minutes. I'm just being practical. I'm just being proud. I'm not making fun of anybody. Trust me. I mean, I'm trying to make it kind of funny because <laughs> some of you are laughing because you're like, it's true. <laughs> I've been there <laughs> and I've been there too. So I just, I just work at becoming consistent in a routine of prayer. Amen. I, I want to get it in our hearts this year to be people that pray. Man, if we can be a praying church, we'll see God do all kind of incredible things in our families and our friends and our businesses and our church and our community. And isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want? Amen. Let's give God a hand clap tonight. <clears throat> Amen. Stand with me. I want to pray over you. We'll send you out for a great week and a great weekend. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to sit and learn and grow. Lord, I pray tonight that my words resonated in some people's hearts. And God, I pray that they'll see prayer differently. God, they'll be excited about connecting with you, about being intimate with you in prayer, just sitting at your feet, looking at your face, experiencing your love. But God, I also pray that that our people, God, would understand the authority and the power that they've been given so that they pray with that authority, with that power. Because we've been given a name. It's a name that's greater than any other name. It's the name of Jesus. So Jesus, help us, just like you said, to use your name. You've given us permission, so we use it. And God, we're looking forward to hearing of miracles and powerful breakthroughs and wonderful things happening as a result of us understanding our position that you've given us in prayer. Go before us this week in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.